This is the Innovation Engine Podcast. Every Monday, we bring you interviews with some of the world's leading authorities on innovation. We talk about company culture, corporate leadership, emerging trends and technologies, and more. Coming to you from Three Pillar Global's headquarters in Fairfax, Virginia, here's your host, Will Sherlin. Welcome back to the Innovation Engine Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll be looking at how to craft your innovation strategy. Why strategy and planning are decidedly not the same thing. How the future impacts strategy and vice versa. And why you have to be comfortable incorporating change into your innovation strategy. Here with us today to discuss all that and more is Dr. Max McEwen. Dr. McEwen is the best-selling author of The Strategy Book, The Innovation Book, and five other award-winning books. He is an expert in strategy, leadership, innovation, and how to create a better future. Dr. McEwen works with some of the world's most successful global brands, helping leaders across sectors develop innovative cultures, products, and services. You can find out more about him and read his latest writings on his website at www.maxmcewen.com. That's Max, M-C-K-E-O-W-N.com. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. McEwen. Great to be here, Will. Yeah. Absolutely. Excellent. So uh, let, let's kick things off today talking about a very important question that will set the stage for the rest of the episode. It's the question with which you lead off your 2011 book, The Strategy Book, and it's this. What is strategy? Strategy, Will, is all about shaping the future, and smart strategists really are trying to find the best route with available means to desirable ends. That's really the point, getting from where you are with what you have to where you want to be with what you want to have. Okay, nice. And there are four key questions that you think anyone can and should ask to get a handle on their overarching strategy. Can you share with listeners what those four questions are? Yes, the questions you're talking about are meant to illustrate the, the two sides of strategy traditionally. One is the more analytic side of strategy and the other is the more creative side of strategy. So you have things like, well, what are you doing at the moment? How does that compare to your competitors? And that's more analytical. It's about positioning and benchmarking. And then another couple of questions are, but what do you want to achieve? How can you create something people want? And they are more creative. That's about desire and contribution. And I think surrounding all of those, again, are for you personally, what is your desirable end and what are your available means? And it's about charting the course between the two. And one thing that you write about in the strategy book that you also tweeted about recently is that strategy and planning are not inherently the same thing. So what does a good strategist know about the difference between the two? Well, sometimes I'm fond also of saying that strategy is not a document, and you can add a list to that. Strategy is not a document. Strategy is not a PowerPoint. Strategy is not your plan. Strategy is not your spreadsheet. It can't be any of those things on their own because it's about 
movement. Well, first it's about desire, then it's about logic, the strategic logic of get, getting together what you have to, to make that, that journey. But, but then it's also about getting there. So a, a few things to say about it. One is that in terms of corporate strategy, certainly, it, strategies tends to be about outthinking your competition. So vision first, planning second, and really logic bringing those two together. And there are a lot of people who spend their time doing what is perhaps most straightforward to them. And what is most straightforward can be writing lists of things to do, filling in forms and boxes in order to be able to please a boss. Boss asks for a strategy, you give him a plan, uh, the boss doesn't know whether the plan will work, neither do you. Then you set about doing things, doing tasks. But that's busy work. It's planning to be busy. And then far too late in the process, you might realize, even right at the end, that the plan or the strategy that's part of your plan doesn't really work at all. And so you need to take the time to think before you plan, to think while you plan, and to think while you're doing so that you keep being able to, to learn, readjust, and adapt. Okay, nice. Yeah, that brings to mind something that the last guest, Scott Anthony, said. He quoted Mike Tyson, uh, the famous boxer, who once said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. So you're pretty clear about the fact that strategy isn't something that's necessarily to be handed down on, from on high, but a living, breathing organism. How should companies bake change into the process of, of planning their innovation strategy? And what might be some change tools that they could use to do so? I think, first of all, ju just accepting that notion that the, the plan goes out of the the window when you get punched in the face or that older idea that no plan survives contact with the enemy, the military strategists view of that. Once you accept that reality is a whole bunch more complex and more powerful than a plan that you just dreamt up once, well, once an organization accepts that, this isn't about fatalism, we'll just accept whatever happens to us. It's about kind of a pragmatic realism that really gets things done. So a lot of organizations, they set in motion these grand plans to a better future, and they, they spend all their time cascading that down to everybody and getting them all aligned uh, and lined up, almost like World War I generals. And meanwhile, reality is killing all your men in, a, in terms of military strategy, but in, in terms of competitive strategy, there are events that are unpredictable, but there are also opportunities that are really great. So I think the first step really is to recognize that reality is bigger and more complex than your plans and that adaptability, high adaptability, is really going to be necessary to being able to take advantage of these great opportunities that, that are going to come along and to adjust your desired plan to make sense uh, in any given environment. So that, that's really the first thing that you have to do. And that there really are a, a great bunch of 
tools, I suppose, and models, that many of which I have in my books, things like Boyd's, he was a military strategist, uh, OODA loop, which is all about how quickly you can adjust my own run loop. Uh, and then things, it, it really isn't about just the tool, it's about how you use it. Uh, I want to underline to your listeners. So something as basic and as simple as a SWOT diagram can either be filled out in this really unimaginative box ticking way and give you nothing, or it can be adjusted, if not every day, certainly very often and in your head every day, as you try to think about how your strengths line up against other people's weaknesses and your weaknesses line up against other people's strengths and how that allows you to take care of threats and grab opportunities. So it's really about that dynamism, that flexibility. Uh, and so that, that's a, a huge part of it. I also listed to, to some others. There are so, so many um, useful tools if you use them in this creative way. But, but things like uh, Lewin's driving and restraining forces. So some of the people listening will have heard of them, but there's a version in my book, and it really helps you look outside at what's pushing you towards change and what's stopping you outside, and then also what's inside, either in your own head and life or your team or your organization, what's pushing you towards change and what's stopping you. And if you use that really creatively, it can help tremendously to organize your thoughts and to keep you uh, highly adaptable. So competition is certainly one thing that drives companies to change. And one of the chapters in the book is titled Looking Over Your Shoulder. Why do you think it's important for any company's strategy to include a healthy dose of studying the competition? And how do you avoid strictly copycatting what others are doing? Well, first of all, looking over your shoulder, if we're talking competitive strategy, somebody else can clearly come along and eat, take all your customers, eat your lunch, uh, reduce your business model to, to nothing. It, it's not the case that that's going to happen every day, you know, Will. It, it's not always innovate or die. You could not innovate and not die at all. Just do fine. But if you don't look over your shoulder, if you don't look around you, you're not going to spot trends and competitors that are offering something better or maybe just more popular than you're offering. And unfortunately, then you get left behind, sort of stranded away from the action, away from the waves of change. And you might find yourself so far back that you don't have enough time to catch up. So maybe the, one of the most famous examples of that in recent times is the way that Blockbuster just refused to uh, really take seriously the, the world of online and streaming and as a result essentially goes bankrupt. And meanwhile, you have Netflix betting everything on the future, even throwing away their DVD sort of um, mailing product and embracing the streaming product because they saw that good things were coming. So when I say looking over your shoulder, one, it's to recognize what's happening. 
Netflix recognized that YouTube were sharing things, that there were, um, there were pirated websites that were sharing to television and video. So they saw a mixture of look, looked over their shoulder and looked around them both at the competition, but then also at consumer behavior to sense where the demand was, was coming from and where it was going. And they still do that. They still look at essentially illegal downloads to help them judge what kind of content to have produced for their legal streaming product. So when I say look over your shoulder, it's look at the competition for great ideas, strength, weaknesses, opportunities, threats to inspire you uh, or to scare you occasionally, but then also uh, at wider trends. You know, it's interesting. It sparks thought. And from these kind of new ideas come new insights and new behaviors that you can bring into your business. Yeah, kind of the the idea of look over your shoulder to enable you to see around the corner and see what's happening in the future. Yeah, and strategy really is about that. If you were drawing a a little box, the the stuff that you look at all the time, just in your day to day, the commonplace, that's kind of necessarily not strategy, because it's just the ordinary everyday, put one foot in front of the other. Strategy is everything outside of your normal view. So it can be the thing further into the distance, years ahead, or it can be the little detail that you were too busy to notice, or the thing that the, the business down the road that isn't even your competitor is doing. And you can just take the time as a strategist to say, I think we could, you know, real strategy is quite playful real world strategy and you think i could use that idea look, look at that that's the coolest thing like chat roulette the russian service that allows you to put up your webcam and click a button and be randomly connected to somebody else's webcam around the world mm-hmm. and you see some you see some crazy stuff <laughs> but uh, and you can just click next, next, next. It, it's some terrific Miley Cyrus tributes on there. Uh, and th- that idea is making probably more money than lots of the people who are listening to this. But it seems like a crazy out there waste of time. But you can take that idea and think, well, how can I use this? Uh, how could that help my business and my situation and then turn it into something a bit more serious, like a networking tool or something a lot less serious, like a, a hookup tool for Saturday night. So looking over your shoulder is about taking off the blinkers and seeing what other people don't see or recognizing value that they have not recognized. And sticking with the future, you write about the future a good bit and about how strategy is, is, is a person's way of shaping the future. What are some questions that people can ask to help them get a clearer picture of what the future holds? I, I often lay out, just for, for starters, a model of the future that includes the past. It's kind of Venn diagram-like. Here's the past. And here's the future. Those are your two big circles. And in the intersection between them, you have the now moment. 
And that's where the strategist can act, can do things. You have to look backwards to get a sense of trends and of human behavior and what is likely to happen. And then you have to look forward and kind of take yourself into the future. It's called future memory in psychological terms, future memory, because you're using everything that you know to cast yourself forward, do a bit of time travel, step forward and then look back and say, okay, so from from two or three years into the future or 50 years into the future, what do I need to do in the now moment to really prepare for that moment in the future? So, so one, you can travel imaginatively into the future and look back and kind of send yourself a message. Uh, and as I talk sometimes about the difference between being fit and being fat. And being fat is about the future always tough. The future will always be tough, fat. Up against getting to the future in time. And that can help you shape your future because you think about, but I have this many years to get to where I might want to be. How do I keep up to date? How do I, can I be ready? What needs doing now to prepare for then, like planting a tree? That, 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 that's the kind of investment. And what other things do I need to do to leave myself open in the future? Okay, let's talk about winning strategy for a second. One of the opportunities that you cite for creating a winning strategy in the book is creating new markets. Can you give an example of a company that has found success by doing that? Well, one of the examples that I mention in the book is Zipcar. And Zipcar was a car sharing service started up around the year 2000 and was just about how you could, in, instead of renting a car for per day or per week or owning a car essentially forever, you could share a car for an hour or a couple of hours. So almost by the minute rental. And you could even share other people's cars and they could add it to, to the service. And before that, and before the, the sharing economy, you just didn't have that option. But now they've grown up into a, a company that was recently sold to Avis for 500 million and then other companies like Enterprise and Hertz uh, and other competitors have created their own versions of that. And so what we have seen is a whole market of by the minute and by the hour rental that would never have existed before. And that's good for the customer and it's particularly good for the people providing it. It's grabbing and providing value that would not have existed otherwise. Yeah, and you could you could make the argument probably that that kind of business model opened the door for things like Uber and Lyft that have that have become hugely successful as well. Yes, absolutely, and Airbnb and other things in that sharing area. And what what they did there, if we we go back to some of the the earlier sort of models introduced you can use something again as basic as SWOT and you can say what have we got 
I tell everybody who wants to do strategy or be an entrepreneur to kind of take an inventory, you know, like some fantasy game and you check your, your inventory and you say, what have I got? And then you think, what have they got? And you do a strengths and um, weaknesses there. So you might say, what have I got? One car. What's the opposition got? A hundred thousand vehicles. How is that a strength to me? And a weakness for them, well, the weakness for the great big car rental firm is that they've got all those vehicles and they have to keep them busy all the time and they think only in terms of days and weeks. If you just have one car, your advantage is that you can experiment with minutes and just rent that car out per minute. And, and that's where a lot of those ideas came from, Airbnb one set of entrepreneurs with one sofa, one settee, one place to live. And they turned that into a business. And from that business, it grew and grew and grew. So to think strategically is to use what you have creatively up against somebody else's strengths and weaknesses. A bit David and Goliath, I guess. Yeah, definitely. So there, there are some great tips for managing the strategy process in the book. And when I say the book, I'm referring to the strategy book, although you've written many others. Uh, but can you lay out some guidelines for things like how often teams should meet to talk about the strategies they lay out? Uh, the traditional planning process is either six monthly or annually checking where you are to publish a plan against your previous plan and then maybe you look three to five years into the future i'm talking traditional particularly large corporate the problem about that is that change in the market is a lot more frequent than six monthly or annually and there are also some great important things happening way outside of your your line of vision both in the future and sort of left field and right field. So the, the first principle here really is to bake strategy into almost everything you do. So to make sure that your team meeting, your uh, meeting room board and team area includes the, the essential parts of what it is you're trying to achieve your, your vision, your mission, and the, the particular goals, and where you're trying to get to over a particular period. And you can use a lot of the models in the book and draw them up poster size so that people, everybody, frontline people, everybody through the organization knows that what they're doing contributes to something and that they're allowed to contribute back. It's the essential principle that Strategy is not a solo sport, even if you're the CEO or the general or the president. It, it involves everybody, whether you like it or not. You know, it only takes one person to screw up the whole strategy. And the reverse of that is it only it requires everybody to really make a difference. So one is to bake it into everything that you do. The, the next is to make it enjoyable to make it more about the thinking and the creativity and the honesty. So people really say, but, but that makes no sense to me. And they feel safe to say that, you know, maybe they didn't get it and they need to have it explained again, or maybe there's a flaw in the plan. 
And it would be better to know that now than in six months time. You know, Toyota, hey guys, I think we're focusing more on growth and not enough on quality. I think that could bite us. That would be a good thing to listen to. Uh, or d again, for BP, I think that we're not doing enough on safety. I think this could be a problem or blockbuster that we mentioned earlier. I don't think we're doing enough in online. So getting everybody involved in a kind of living strategy, making it both enjoyable, honest and rigorous. Okay, nice. And you cite a lot of great books that influenced you in the course of writing your own book. If you had to pick just one of them to recommend to listeners other than your own, of course, which hopefully they will go out and, and, and read, which one would it be? Well, uh, I really like uh, a book by Lawrence Freeman called uh, Strategy of History. If you want to get into having an accessible way of looking at strategy in a whole range of places, it's written as quite a popular history of strategy, if you like, but it tackles prehistoric strategy, uh, even among chimpanzees and how they work right the way through to, to military strategy, political strategy. You know, there are heroes in there as well. JFK, the civil rights movement, lots of things. That That's a really good read. You can listen to that on audio on the way to work, along with my book that I recently recorded. <laughs> so you could do that. Uh, then I really... Uh, also enjoy Chris Arduris. Again, I suppose people don't necessarily read him as a strategist, but when he steps out why people don't learn from their mistakes and he explains defensive routines uh, and why organizations avoid the truth uh, and how to learn more often and build learning into your, your, your strategic thinking, that, that's really valuable. Okay, nice. And and we're talking over Skype. I can see on your uh, profile picture, it looks like you have a very nice recording studio where you're probably at work recording the audiobook. book. Uh, where can folks find the audiobook? And do you have any, any new books coming down the pipeline? You, it would be number eight for you, I believe, right? It, it would be. We've got the just working on the second edition of the strategy book, which will be out uh, around December. Don't delay buying one now if you haven't bought one already, but bringing in sustainability and so some nice uh, new work on strategy. You can get hold of the strategy book and the innovation book and adaptability on iTunes or Audible. The only thing I'd say to your listeners is, remember, this is still strategy, which means maybe you should listen to 10 or 15 minutes at a time. <laughs> it's not it's not the latest Grisham. Um, so d d listen to it just in bite sized chunks uh, on the way to work or something to, to give yourself a, a little strategist in your ear. Very which nice. Is quite, yeah, yeah. Valuable. Yeah. Well, you talked a lot about uh, fun over the course of the episode. So I'm sure it's fun, maybe in small chunks. But uh, but go out, check out the strategy book by Dr. Max McEwen. Uh, Dr. Max, thanks so much for joining us today. Great talking with you about how to build out a winning strategy that drives innovation. Real pleasure, Will. If you'd like to learn more about Max McEwen, 
You can follow him on Twitter at at Max McEwen. That's M-C-K-E-O-W-N. You can also visit his website at www.maxmcewen.com to read more of his writings and purchase his books. Thanks once again to Max McEwen for joining us this week. And thank you for joining us this week. Don't forget to tune into next week's episode when we're excited to have Dr. Lee George on the podcast to talk about the intersection of innovation and marketing. We'll talk about why marketing touches more areas of a business than ever before, why looks matter when it comes to marketing, and how to go about reverse engineering your company's social media strategy. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next week. The Innovation Engine Podcast is recorded, produced, edited, and published each week by Three Pillar Global, a product lifecycle management and software development company based in Fairfax, Virginia. For more information on the company or our services, please visit our website at www.threepillarglobal.com.